Hello, everyone, and welcome into FCC Talk. It is me, Children and Family Minister John Rhodes, with you. And with me today, I have Chris Gregg, the Senior Minister here at First Christian Church. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing wonderful, John. I'm having a really good day. Things are it's warmer, sun's shining, back behind out this window next to my right shoulder, and it's just a good all-around. I get to hang out with you guys. Doesn't get better than this. There you go. Get to be with the staff. Have a good time. Uh, yeah, you're right. Doesn't get better than this. And and you said you're particularly cheery today because you were out in the sun yesterday, right? I was. I was. Yeah. I was uh, helping uh, one of the guys that I mentor uh, put a furnace in for one of our members and spent the day with him and was outside. And it was a little cool, but uh, overall, it was just a good day. It took a vacation day to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that was that was nice to be outside. I almost said I'm sure it was a good time, but I don't know if installing a, a a whole home furnace is really that much of a good time. But but you said you you more learned than actually did, right? I I did learn more than I actually did, but it was still a great experience. But you still did stuff, so that's good. That's yep. good. Yep. All right. Well, so. um, if you're listening to FCC Talk, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate that. If this is your first time listening. Welcome. This is where we talk about, you know, different news stories and articles and things being written in the current events. Um, this one is actually like a week old because Chris and I were supposed to do this last week. Uh, however, Chris was ready to do it with me. And uh, then he got called away to something, was going to come back. And then I just got a massive, massive headache that day. And I just I wasn't able to uh, to really be functional at all. So I, I unfortunately had to go home. But um, but we're here. We're doing the podcast today, and uh, even though it's a week late, I'm I'm sure the news is still current enough that it's not uh it's not all breaking news. So so yeah, we'll get into it. Our first topic of discussion is that there has been some archaeological finds in uh that that give more of an explanation between the Roman shift of paganism to Christianity. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, back. In in the Roman days, whatever you want to call it, the Roman era, uh, when Constantine converted to Christianity, he was set out to convert all of Roman to Christian Rome to Christianity as well, the Romans. Um, and there wasn't ever a whole lot of clarity on what that looked like, that kind of conversion time. Well, fortunately, some archaeologists have now found what used to be a pagan temple dated back to after. Constantine had converted to Christianity. And so we've gotten to learn a little bit more. I'm not going to go into every single detail, but we've gotten to learn a little bit more on how Constantine converted, but not only did it take time for his followers and, and those in Rome to convert, but also some of those who were closest to him as well. And uh, my Chris, my first question to you is, is it surprising to you that although Constantine converted to Christianity, there was a bit of like this secret pagan cult that lasted for years? It doesn't surprise me because just because a leader changed and it declares it a law doesn't mean that there is a change of heart. And so, and we see in a lot of cultures where Christianity comes in, especially um, Catholicism, a lot of times it's called syncretism, where the, there's a blending of the cultural religion with Christianity. And that's not what you want 
but a, a part of the process sometimes for some of the people it it happens that way and then eventually hopefully christianity sets itself apart from these pagan religions or other gods or however you want to describe it yeah i remember um th- this whole story brought me back to when i was younger and uh, again we don't talk politics on this show but this is just a part of the conversation here so we're not getting mm-hmm. into politics it's just a part of conversing here but i remember when i was younger i asked my dad i said dad if the president was such a good guy and a good Christian, why wouldn't he just make all of Christianity like the law for everybody to have to follow? And all of, you know, it's illegal to lie. It's illegal to do the, you know, why would he do these things? And I remember my dad, and it still sticks with me today. He told me, he said, well, John, because Jesus doesn't want just people to follow him with what they do, but he also wants people to follow him with their heart and you can tell people all the right things to do, but if you're not, you know, convincing them, uh, you know, swaying their heart to, to follow Jesus, then at the end of the day, they're just following a bunch of rules that really doesn't matter that much. Does that, does that story and and what my dad told me, uh, do you relate with that at all, Chris, to like the idea of like, if the president ever just like made every law, what you know christians deem as sin and not sin today mm-hmm. uh that it really wouldn't change anything i think christianity thrives in a situation where there's an alternative and you can't legislate morality or christianity or your heart and so it's a personal thing it's a it's a a community thing in the sense of a church body or a yeah, a spiritual body of christ but again, I'm not sure that you can change hearts just by creating laws or otherwise we'd all be good if we just follow the law. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, kind of comes back to that when we think about ourselves following Jesus, are we actually in tune with what Jesus teaches us? Um, or are we just, you know, have a list of rules, a list of obligations that we feel like we have to follow. I mean, that's one of the biggest things I try to make sure happens with my volunteers in my ministry is that they don't feel like, you know, serving here is just an obligation. It's something I have to check off my list. I did this once a month. Um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts uh, on some of that stuff, Chris, with like, you know, just checking off the box once a month saying I've done it, I've got it. I'm good. Um, you know, if your heart's not in it, but you're accomplishing the right things, what are yeah. what are your thoughts there? Well, there's a sense of duty to Christianity. And I think early on in ministry for me, and that's been a long time ago, is that sometimes I was doing you know, my job out of a duty. Now, that doesn't happen very often anymore. I get to do what I enjoy, what I'm called, and I love to do what I do. But there are times when it's not fun, it's not easy, and it's difficult, and it's hard. But you still have to press into that as a Christian. But most of the time, it's, well, you know, Jesus said my my what my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When we partner with Jesus and it's a hard thing, then there's a deep joy and it may not, you not may not have happy face all the time, but it's still, it's still doing what we are called to do. And I think that's very, very fulfilling, but it, it's yeah, calling. No, I completely agree. And, and, you know, I was asked by somebody one time, they said, 
you know, what if I don't care about Jesus, but I I do everything that Jesus has commanded me to do? What if I do that? And my response mm-hmm. to them was, you cannot do everything Jesus calls you to do unless you follow him. Because there is a large aspect of trust, there is a large aspect of, you know, desire of communing with him that you have to have in order to follow what God has commanded us to do. Obviously, you know, we all think of, you know, some of the the most well-known things, you know, we're not going to, you know, we're going to be kind to one another, we're not going to lie, we're not going to cheat, we're not going to steal, you know, those are the kind of the common things, but it goes so much, so much deeper than that. Um, you know, with how we raise our children, with our marriages, mm-hmm. you know, with how we interact with others. It sounds easy, oh, just be kind. But there are so many different areas where you require to trust that, God, if I follow you, you're going to provide for me. You're going to give me what I need. And, and I don't have to try to take matters into my own hands. I can trust that, you know, what you've commanded me to do will be right. Right. Well, it, not only are we to be kind, but we're grace-filled because we've been saved by grace, but also spirit-filled. And so we're empowered by another source outside of us that's in us. Now, we cooperate with that source. We Well, we need to cooperate with that source, but that is what makes us holy and good, is what God does through us. It's not not all on me. It's not all on God. It's a mutual partnership, if you will, working together to achieve those results. Right. And Jesus has made us right, right? I mean, we we have not yeah. made ourselves right. We've done nothing, you know, to forgive our own sins or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But if we don't follow Jesus, we're never going to be right. We're never going to be righteous. We're never going to be completely following him uh, without that. So a great topic of discussion there, Chris. I appreciate that. I do want to get into uh, the next article, which this one is from, as my phone pulls it up. Ah, yes, this one's from Relevant Magazine. We've gone back to Relevant Magazine from time to time. Uh, Chris, are you familiar with Levi Lusco? Yes. Yeah, I get like to the- hear some excerpts of him. I heard he preached a few times online. Yeah, he's, I think he's from Montana, megachurch minister in Montana, which, you know, I, I don't know how you have a megachurch in Montana, but he seemed to have done well, it. Well, maybe, so. <laughs> maybe in what? what's the big town and what are the big towns in Montana? Oh, there's a few of them. But yeah, I mean, there there are a few places that are big enough. Missoula. It's a pretty Missoula. big place. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, my parents, somebody in their small group, they actually moved to Montana as missionary farmers. <laughs> it's wow. Kinda sounds, it's kind of sounds funny, but there's apparently a large farm community that is completely devoid of Christianity, uh, doesn't have a church or anything like that, and, uh, wow. and they moved there as as farmers uh, who are planting a church and, and doing that kind of stuff. So I guess more church planters than missionaries, but still an interesting, interesting thing. Well, anyway, uh, Levi Lesko did an interview uh, with Relevant Magazine, and the interview was all about loneliness. And as Levi Lesko puts it, there is a loneliness epidemic in the church or in culture today. And he believes the solving of that comes from 
the church. So you and I, uh, people within the church, that is what is destined to solve this issue of loneliness. And, and as I read through the interview, I, I felt like Levi, he, he was kind of put hitting the point on the head in a lot of different areas that I see things as well. You know, after COVID, we kind of experienced this more digital, less interactive with one another area of life. But not only that, uh, we were already heading that way a little bit as well. And he talks a little bit about live streaming for his church and how, you know, it's important that people are not just watching online, but they're also interacting. Mm -hmm. And he encourages Mm -hmm. anybody who is watching online to interact with his church in some way, shape or form during the week, whether that's a small group or whether you just get coffee or go out to a meal with somebody from the church. Mm -hmm. So that way you aren't just watching online but you're also with somebody as well. Uh, So Chris, my first question is uh, just big picture, all of everything. How big of a problem do you believe loneliness is in our culture today? I agree with Levi Lesko. I think in this situation, and as I've been, you know, I follow a lot of different preachers and some of the top preachers have really, really hit on this loneliness. But I think with social media and with the pandemic and the isolation that's occurring and even more so so alienating uh, the alienation of relationships boyfriend girlfriend that whole thing dynamic going on and swipe right or swipe left with all the internet dating apps it's incredible and i think uh i haven't you know typically i speak to our online audience on Sunday mornings, but I haven't suggested like Levi Lesko has suggested. I think it's a great idea. Hey, if you're not involved, you can't be involved digitally. Go out with someone this week who's also a, a fellow believer where two or three are gathered, have a meal, do something, serve others. However, to connect and communicate because we're not created to, what do I want to say, be alone. We're created right. for community. That's how we thrive. And, and the hardest part, I think, you know, I've said it over and over again, and we've talked about it many times, John, is that, you know, that pandemic being isolated just was deathly for me. That was the hardest, most depressing, loneliest time for me. So I just, I mean, I, I, I came to the office every day. I was in my office. I was all by myself. Somebody would, you know, stop by and I would spend 15 minutes just talking to him <laughs> because I needed that interaction. Now, not everybody's wired like I am, but I was like, okay. You know, I'll keep my social distance, but and I probably won't hug you, but I need to talk to you. <laughs> I remember when I would come in, and I think we spoke about this before, but uh, I remember when I would come in on, what was it, Wednesdays? It was either Tuesdays or Wednesdays, and I would come in and we would shoot, um, you know, the the online church message and everything, and, and I would just get a, a kick out of, you know, you and I were both just, it seemed like we were starved for some type of interaction, face-to-face right. conversation with somebody other right. than our wives. Uh, and that's not to say anything against our wives. We love our wives, uh, but we needed some kind of interaction outside of, outside of that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was... <laughs> It's almost like Wednesdays were like the highlight of the week because we got to talk to somebody, you know, that we weren't exactly. living with. Exactly. It's like, hey, out of the cave. I got to yeah. talk to somebody today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a crazy, crazy experience. Um, 
Chris, I do want to touch on some of Levi's ideas for how the church um, can help solve some of this loneliness uh, epi- epidemic that's going on within our uh, within our culture. And so he first kind of starts off with like people who attend your church, um, and he he talks about you know how people don't realize it, but the church is a family. Um, and when somebody who is a single mother has a son or a daughter and they bring them with them to church, that son or daughter can find, you know, a, a positive male figure in their lives, whether mm-hmm. that be the youth minister, whether that be, you know, somebody in their Sunday school class or, or whatever it might be, but just somebody that is, is asking them every week, Hey, How's your week? How are things going in school? You know, what's going on? Uh, and it can be somebody who's as young as preschool or somebody who's as old as 17 years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really, really impactful way. He also just talks about, um, you know, life groups and small groups. And he, he talks about not just having them during the week, but on Sunday morning as well. So that way you're meeting with a group of people. He said that mm-hmm. some people in their church, they get to church because they don't have Sunday school, but they'll get to church early, like a half hour to an hour early. And they'll sit around and drink coffee together the entire time mm-hmm. before church. And that's like their mm-hmm. small group thing. Uh, there's not mm-hmm. a huge lesson or anything like that, but you know, they have time to commune with one another. And another thing he said is, is serving. He said, one of the biggest things that people don't realize is how much community you get from serving with other people mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. how all of you can ha- kind of have like a, a main goal that you're that you're working toward, whether that be worship, whether that be kids ministry, you know, um, whether that be, I don't know, outside shoveling snow ministry, right? Whatever mm-hmm. that might be, mm-hmm. uh, but doing something together and having a purpose. So, Chris, my question to you is, do you see the church at being the cure for loneliness in our society? Or do you think it goes a little bit deeper than just like life groups, small groups, stuff like that? Well, I think, well, first of all, we, we were created for monastic life. You're not holy by doing that. We, we develop the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit grows in interactions and in in our in a church community and outside community and so how we relate to one another as brothers and sisters of Christ as a family as well as for folks that aren't in community that we reflect the love of Christ the light of Christ the character of Christ in our relationships so i i think that some of it well i think you know by and large you shouldn't be lonely if you're part of a family Number one. Right. But number two, it may exceed that if you can't relate to people. And I think that some people are being trained. I mean, some, you know, this generations are being trained, you know, with an attachment to the technology that that alienates us from one another in so many ways. If we're not a perfect 10 on online in social media, if we're not the best or the brightest, or, you know, we see everybody's news reel and we're not able to do that. I think there's a point of alienation there that doesn't need to be. And so I think we've got, got some other things that we're dealing with, even as Christians that are important. Yeah. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, kind of like what you were saying, you know, seeing ourselves as like a 10 online or something like that. I think, you know, for me, 
when I was growing up, I didn't necessarily see that as much as it seemed like other kids did. And I'm not patting myself on the back. Don't get me wrong. But what I am saying is that, you know, that that wasn't what was spoken into my life consistently. You know, what was spoken into my life consistently was what does God think of you? What is God's calling for you in your life? Are you serving him or are you serving yourself? Are you serving, you know, for the you know praise of man or are you living for the praise of God? Um, and I think that goes back to it as well. And I don't say that to demean anybody who sees that um, as, you know, being a 10 or anything like that. But I do say that to say right. it's about consistency, not just consistency in your relationships, but consistency in following God and learning about him, worshiping him. And I think mm-hmm. I think when you have that consistent relationship with God, that breeds into the consistent relationships in other areas of your life as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, all right. Our last topic before we get into a a few other things is, um, a article on the gospel coalition. Again, I love going back to the gospel coalition time and time again. It's titled Gen Z has questions. Apologetics provides answers. And so what this article is getting at is that a lot of you know, the younger generation today, and we've talked about them with, with CJ in a few different areas. And, and this kind of coincides a little bit with what they've been, uh, what, what we've talked about with CJ. But um, what this kind of goes back to is that the younger generation today is just simply looking for truth. You know, as technology has grown, mm-hmm. uh, it's given more people platforms to lie and deceive. I mean, how many times, Chris, a day do you feel like you look at your phone, you see a call and you're like, oh, that's a scam call, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just with somebody the other day. I was just, it was a short little conversation. They got a phone call and they looked at it and they said, oh, I don't know that number. That's probably a scam call. I mean, you yeah. know, we we do that all the time. And, and the amount of misinformation that can be spread, uh, not just mm-hmm. in the media, but on social media and other places. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really, really difficult to try and discern. And that's where uh, this article is talking about the Gen Z's curious skepticism of Christianity. You know, is Christianity mm-hmm. true? Is the story about, was, was Jesus really real? Um, mm-hmm. And talking about how uh, they don't want that to be more misleading uh, information And so apologetics kind of becomes the cure for that. Um, So, Chris, my question to you is, how would you recommend that young Christians deal with misleading information on theology and the Bible in today's society? Well, I think that's a good question. I, as I listen to what you say, John, I think that what we've got to realize, if you're listening online today, is that we have the largest population of the nuns and the duns, the nuns that have never believed and don't know Christ or anything about him. I was in a situation a few weeks ago where a person asked me, it was a tragedy, and I was there ministering, and they said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm a pastor, and they didn't know what a pastor was. I said, well, I'm a preacher, and they didn't know what a preacher was. And so I had to explain that, you know, I'm minister to people. I believe in Jesus. I am a Christian. I follow Christ. And a part of that as a person who is paid to lead a congregation is that I minister, I help people in tragedy. So that's why I'm here in this tragedy, in this in a time of loss. 
and they were unfamiliar with that. So that's a nun. They they just don't know anything. They don't know anything right. about the Bible. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know anything. And they consider themselves spiritual, but they don't know anything. And the other part of that is the the duns who have had a bad experience with, quote, religion or the church or some Christian religious person, and they just don't believe. And so I think apologetics plays an important role in answering questions of um, how did this all come to be? Uh, what is the purpose of the universe? And what is the purpose of my life? And, and how do I answer these questions? And how do I know what is true? And so these, what I want to say, your uh, way of life or what you believe theology-wise, whether you're a deist or a theist or um, a materialist or, or whatever, You've got to answer those questions, and I think the only religion, the only belief system that actually works is Christianity. Everything else fails, but but apologetics, I think you've got to interject them in your preaching and in your teaching and in your life to say, I know you believe this, but what about this? And how, how do you, how, how does this all just randomly occur that, you know, life exists and there's no evolution. There's no proof of evolution. But here you have all these, all these creatures that are, <coughs> are adaptable or the humans that can learn and to, to be able to use technology and to grow. <coughs> Excuse me. How does that all work? So Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, one thing we realized here recently, and we won't obviously say any names, but we, we've discovered that there have been people in our church who have been deceived by false teachings and things like that, that, you know, <clears throat> they've actually gone away from the church, unfortunately. And a lot of times what those do is they will take a little bit of truth. I mean, this is what Satan does. If you grew up in the church, right. you, you were probably right. taught this at some point. Satan takes a little bit of truth, hooks you up with that, and then he says, but it's actually this, or, you know, or is right. that what you actually want to do, or is that what actually should happen, and tries to to use something else to, to bring you away. Um, some of the people that have left our church for these reasons, you know, they left our church because... That, you know, they believed in God, but they didn't believe that Jesus came for the same reasons that what we believe. Um, mm-hmm. And and so not only, you know, so there's a little bit of that truth there that God is real, but then there's the lie of, but Jesus didn't really come to save you from sin. Jesus came to, you know, start a movement or to do all these things. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the most difficult things that comes into this you know, um, this movement of false information and misinformation out there is because it's really, really hard to discern. Um, and I kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier, right? Consistent study of the Bible, consistently looking at it. And when you have questions, mm-hmm. explore them through good mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and right um, exploration. Because unfortunately, you know, you can't just search on Google was Jesus real? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you and I went to college for it. 
Chris, to, to learn a lot about mm-hmm. Christianity, the restoration movement, mm-hmm. uh, not just those things, but also Jesus's time, uh, biblical times, those kind of things. Um, and for a lot of people, it can be hard to discern if those things are actually true, if they've not been given the proper education for it. So, um, so my other question to you then, Chris, is, and it kind of goes along with what I was saying there, what would you suggest to someone who wants to increase their apologetics, maybe their biblical knowledge, maybe their reasoning of how God is real and Jesus is real? What would you suggest to someone who wants to increase that in order to either help themselves or help the mm-hmm. next generation, the Gen Zers? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would say Norman Geisler is like a classic apologist and i've read some of his books i also think worldviews understanding of different worldviews and where people are coming from and what they truly believe the, the other thing is uh dare to share greg steer is also in his thrust for evangelism has also created some materials so that even a, a young person, a teenager, could answer some of these questions and to gear up in evangelism. But you're never going to know every question or answer. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a friend that's going through that and is really struggling, then seek out help like you or I or anybody on our church staff would be glad to do some research and to find out more answers of why we believe what we believe or how this all works together. But for me, I I need to incorporate that in my preaching because not everybody that hears me actually comes from a Christian perspective or understands biblical theology and, or uh, understands why we believe what we believe that, you know, there's a lot of things in scripture, like the talking donkey, Balaam and the talking donkey. Right. Well, Christians must be crazy because donkeys don't talk. Well, in this particular instance, God miraculously opened a donkey's uh, mouth and made it speak to, you know, Balaam. It's all right. tells a story. Do I believe it really happened? I absolutely do. But we see donkeys talk on uh, TV all the time. What's the, what's the, uh, uh, what's the Was it Shrek or, or something? Yeah, Shrek. We see that. <laughs> well, we think that's ridiculous. You know, that's funny but that's not real life well balaam's donkey really talked well why do we believe that well god miraculously did that but no i don't believe you know if i go over to my friend's house he's got several donkeys i'm not going to carry on a conversation and expect them to answer me that's crazy so i think we have to identify some of those things in as we speak you know what i mean yeah, no, I know what you mean. And and the other part I was going to add to that, you gave some great resources. Um, but if you are looking for resources, uh, one of the main things that I would encourage you to do is not to get caught up in the fluff of the resource, because sometimes that's what can drag people in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's I'm not going to point out, you know, certain people or anything like that, but uh, there can be a a certain presentation that makes something look attractive. And then you say, Oh, that, well, that must be true or that must be correct. And no, that just because it looks nice, just because it sounds good, just because it makes you feel good. Doesn't mean that it's correct. It might be tempting to want that to be correct. Um, 
But what you ultimately have to look for is, does it line up with the Bible? And are you reading mm-hmm. your Bible consistently enough to have knowledge mm-hmm. of what is true and what is untrue? Absolutely. So, <clears throat> well, we'll move on I, from that one. Or go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I, I'm reading through Job right now in the Chronological Bible, because Job was one of the earliest books written. And when I look at Job's life, I would say there would be every reason for him to reject God. And yet he held on to God. He did not deny him. He did not accuse him. But he went through a very depressive time where he wished he had not been created. And and a lot of times folks give in to the cults or other gods or get jaded on Christianity because sometimes bad things happen to Christians. And things fail, and and we have heartbreak and heartbreaking moments, and yet we have to lean into God just like Job did. He lost his family. He lost his fortune. He lost all all his wealth and assets, and yet he trusted God, and so should we. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, that was was evident in Jesus' teaching when, you know, he went to the the rich young ruler, right? He said, Mm -hmm. drop everything you have, come and follow me. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. are we willing to look beyond what we have, Mm -hmm. our materials, the fluff, things like Mm -hmm. that, and say, Mm -hmm. uh, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you no matter what. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's huge. So. Um, our next part, Chris, this is kind of the more fun part of it. I guess the other parts are fun too, but uh, we ask you what you're eating, what you're reading, what you're watching. Christmas is over. Uh, you know, it's kind of cold outside. You asked us in staff meeting, what's our favorite thing to eat uh, when it's like negative three degrees outside? Uh, my yep. thought was I probably don't want to grill out. Um, I mean, I like grill out food, but I don't want to go outside and grill on the grill when the snow is out there. But uh, what, what's going on, Chris? What are you eating? What are you reading? What are you watching? Well, one of the best things I found, and I told you about it, and we went over to Pappy's the other day, but the all-you-can-eat wings on Wednesday night, smoke wings. That's my new thing, and that's my new groove. I was like, there you, go. I, you know, I am not promoting gluttony, but... <laughs> Best wings I've ever ate in my life were at Pappy's Smoked Wings. So that's the new deal for me. How about you? You had smoked wings wings today, right? I had smoked wings. Must be why I'm not grumpy faced today is because I had smoked wings for lunch today. Mark and I went out for lunch today. Mark Rayless, our pastoral care guy. And I said, hey, I got I'm going to have the smoked wings today. That's funny. Um, eating for me, we are going back to some of the same meals that we were having when Lottie was, uh, was six, seven months old because Jack is, uh, seven months old now and he's starting to eat. And so we're, we're having the meals that are, you know, like a lot of pasta, stuff like that, that's soft enough for him to eat. Um, I don't really like pasta, but you know, I will. I will endure for my family so they can they can have it. Uh, Hannah loves pasta. Uh, Lottie Lottie likes it okay. Uh, she loved it a lot more when she was younger, but uh, and now Jack loves it because you know. And we don't do like the spaghetti. We do like the oh, like the coiled things or yeah. like the rigatoni or whatever, where it's like it's nice little bite size and he can just eat it. So, um, but I but I do have to say I am sad. That J- Junior Shack has been closed. Um, that was our well. that was our uh, lunch spot, Chris, on Tuesdays. Yep. So 
That was our lunch groove. They had everything good. I've, I've called over to Poloni's steak restaurant, Italian steak restaurant and said, Hey, you got juniors, uh, menu over there yet? Oh, we can do a loaded burger and that's it. So we're going to see if Poloni junior is going to come through with uh, a good menu over there. Yeah. Yeah. Just a shame. They said they weren't able to find enough help. So that stinks. Right. But um, I almost yeah. volunteered my time myself just so they would be open on Tuesdays. So. <laughs> Chris, can I be off on Wednesday afternoon so I can go work? At Absolutely. Absolutely. If you can save a restaurant in Brazil, let's do it. We'll we'll all volunteer. Well, and we also mourned uh, the loss of the spot. Right. That was another place that we loved. Right. That was sad. Yeah. I'm sad. Yeah. That's a laundromat. I don't think you can eat very well over there now. No, so. no. I don't even, I've not even been in there. I don't even know if they have any concession kind of things, any soft drink machines or whatever pop machines. Yeah, I've not, I've not been in there yet. I actually go into the uh, the laundromat over on the other side of town from time to time because they uh, they'll let us put out flyers and stuff like that for like VBS and cool. and stuff if we ever have anything. So I do go in there, but I have not been the other one, other one yet. Mm-hmm. So, all right, uh, Chris. Final thing we have on here is uh, Truth Truth uh, Tuesday. It's not Tuesday, but you know that's what we used to have was Truth Tuesday. So, is there a Bible mm-hmm. verse or a section of the Bible? I know you just spoke about Joe, but is there anything in your heart that uh, you want to share with the people today? Well, I just think uh, as I'm like reading through Rick Warren's devotional, like this morning, talking about that you know God loves us and. Uh, We don't need to wear guilt. Um, He forgives. His grace is enough. We are made holy through him. We're in right relationship with God. We'll never be perfect. We'll always make mistakes. That's just part of the deal. And, uh, but God forgives and he helps us to grow. So to me, that's a theme that I think that we've just got to realize is that God's doing a work in us and he's never going to give up on us. So for sure. That's for my, sure. Yeah. That's my word of the day. So we, uh, last night, well, the past couple of nights we've been, excuse me, singing, um, the life church, uh, or life kids, life church worship songs on YouTube, because we, uh, obviously have been cooped up in the house lately. And so we had Lottie watching a little bit more Miss Rachel than we would have normally just because she was kind of going stir crazy with the same toys all the time. So we were looking for mm-hmm. something new to do. And I remember and I said, oh, yeah, in, uh, in We Kids, they sing those those Life Kids songs. I'll have to put on one of those and see if Lottie interacts with it. And uh, and she she loves them. She sits there and or she shouldn't sit there. She dances along with them the entire time, has a great time. And, uh, and there's one song, um, that is called Jesus is my BFF. And, uh, you know, I don't know about the theological accuracy of calling Jesus my BFF, but the message is uh, strong that he's there for us when we're happy. He's there for us when Mm -hmm. we're sad and he cares about us. He loves us. So, um, so yeah, uh, the, the, the message of God loves us resonates with, uh, with my toddler's worship songs of, uh, Jesus is my BFF. (laughs) Never can get enough of that. You can't. So, all right. Well, thanks so much, Chris, for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, if you're listening this Friday, have a good weekend. Uh, if you're listening some other time, have a good whatever. You know, 
See you later. See you, Chris. See you.